Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman & Associates. Now here's Connie. Hi, I'm Connie Whitman, your host, and you're listening to Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. Thanks for joining me. I hope you've, you've been enjoying spending this hour with me every week and hope you feel my passion clearly comes through, I'm sure, loud and clear. Um, again, I hope you find it inspiring, um, educational. I always want you guys to learn something. I hope you have some fun listening to myself and my guests and some of the funny stories that we share. Um, we really do have to laugh at ourselves. And hopefully, 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 I become or uh, be the catalyst to help you want to change or to begin that road to change whatever that change is for you. Now, today's show is going to provide some really important criteria, I think, for a lot of companies or managers who need to facilitate um, and, and develop partnerships with sales vendors, obviously specifically because that's what I am, but really this pertains to any vendor. Um, and, you know, it's, I really want you to start to think about how do you make sure that you as a company are getting what you need at a cost that's fair both to you, the company, as well as for your vendor? At the end of the show, I want you to have some real actionable tips to refer to to ensure that healthy vendor-company relationship because at the end of the day, that healthy relationship really will be the cause um, to sustain any change and ultimately growth, and hopefully growth, again, from my context as a sales vendor, hopefully growth in some sales numbers. So, you know, I always give you a list, or I always start with a list of things to learn. So the first thing that my guests and I, my best guest, Betsy Gomez, and I are going to talk about is for change to occur and stick, because you're spending money, you want it to stick at the end of the day. We really need to hold our people accountable, especially from the little training component that we'll do. Uh, we do this by clearly defining expectations for our folks and setting them up for success, not only through the training, but also through the infrastructure changes, as well as the training as a piece of it. Um, you have to have a, a clear strategic plan in place for it to be able to come to life, okay? So that partnership should accomplish that. The second thing, your vendor, partner, whatever you want to call it, should understand your company and where the culture is today and what the corporate strategic plan or what it's defining for that culture to change, and that's where that program and the implementation comes from. Uh, the program training is a piece of it. Again, form changes, infrastructural changes. Infrastructural changes might be stuff like um, hiring practices, changing your performance appraisal to reflect all of the new behaviors that we're expecting. Maybe in inputting an incentive plan or changing your current incentive plan. Sometimes it's simple as something like adding a newsletter or having your newsletter include, uh, you know, a success uh, area where you can highlight some of your employees' successes. Um, the third thing uh, Betsy and I are going to talk about is the thing uh, with, with vendor companies, you know, slash company um, is the communication process and what's the payoff if we can communicate at that, that highest level strategically and from the implementation standpoint, you know, how important is that communication process in order to seek the change or implement the change and sustain the change, but also that the vendor, when they're in front of your folks, that they're speaking the same language as what the company's expectations are. So that commu whole communication package is really critical. And then the fourth thing is tips on how to identify the correct vendor for what you're trying to achieve. Most expensive and the cheapest vendor isn't always the right course of action. And Betsy Gomez, um, who's the first vice president and director of sales at Provident Bank, really will be able to share some personal tips that she's encountered dealing with various vendors as well as myself and how she holds all the vendors accountable to deliver what's agreed upon. That's real important as well. 
So get out a piece of paper, get ready to take some notes, um, and Betsy and I are really going to share some simple and effective tips, tips that you guys can implement uh, before any vendor is hired or chosen so that you maximize your dollars, time, because we're asking um, usually people to be pulled out for training, but also your own time that's involved in this. And we want to make sure we manage the process effectively but also efficiently, again, to maximize all efforts. Okay? So now uh, I just want to share with you Betsy Gomez, my, my wonderful guest today, uh, her expertise or her wheelhouse is really in the banking um, arena, banking industry, similar to mine. She has over 30 years experience. She, like me, started working when she was 10, by the way. Uh, she worked for several large banks through her career and worked in various roles, uh, starting out, again, many years ago as a part-time teller, worked her uh, way up through regional manager, senior vice president level, and now is first vice president of sales at Provident. Uh, she joined Provident 11 years ago and now runs the sales for the bank, the entire bank. Uh, she's a lifelong New Jersey resident. Go Jersey, just like me. Jersey girls, we don't pump gas. Uh, and she happens to live in Union County, a little bit north of myself. Uh, she's also one of the founding members of Provident for Women. Uh, which is a new organization, the bank, uh, or new networking group that the bank has put in place. Now, before I introduce Betsy, you know I always like to give or share a little story about how I met these people in my lives and why they're important. But also I want you guys to understand, especially if you're the one who's interviewing and seeking vendor uh, choices for whatever you're trying to accomplish, the process that myself and Betsy went through before we actually you know, signed any contracts and all that kind of stuff. So I had uh, followed up actually with Provident. I've been with Provident, believe it, it blows my mind every time I say this, eight years I've been working hands in hands with them. Um, before that, I followed up with them for about five years. And during that five-year period, it was, it was kind of interesting because they had specifically three different sales vendors that had worked with them um, and for one reason or another didn't work out. And then that fifth year, um, through my follow-up, my, my intent and getting to know the decision makers in the organization before they even hired me, sharing industry articles that I thought were relevant to what they were trying to accomplish, um, constantly having conversations, how things are going, what they were trying to accomplish, and really before I was even hired, getting a feeling of who they were today, you know, this is five years ago, Anne, but who they were and just listen to kind of what they were trying or hoping to accomplish. So I waited patiently, and finally um, one of the decision makers called me and asked me if I would come and meet with them and discuss what I thought I can add or do um, to, again, reinforce or build at that point the sales culture that was kind of floundering and, and really didn't it couldn't get its sea legs, so to speak. So I met with Betsy and another gentleman, Mike Pacola, and we met up in Jersey City, and we were in a conference room, and we started chatting. And I started asking, as I shared before, whenever I come into any meeting for the first time. Now, you have to remember, I had a lot of history, five years, a lot of follow-up. I had some, a lot of core information. Yet, when I sat with Betsy and, and the other gentleman, Mike, for me, it was really important to hear from them because they were living and breathing on the retail end of the bank what they were truly trying to achieve. So I started asking questions as to what they had done, which I knew, why it didn't work, what they were learning to achieve, and to see, of course, if we can build from there. Now, remember, a ton of money had already been spent over the previous five years. So from my framework as a vendor, you can't tell me you spent all this money and absolutely nothing changed. Maybe not the change that you expected or were hoping for, but there had to be some core change. So my feeling coming in is you've spent the money, some things are kind of in place, and then let's build and go from there. Instead of reinventing the wheel and doing it Connie Whitman's way, let's figure out what was the provident way. And that was really, I think, the value added that I can offer. What I want you guys to understand, and, and I hope you're understanding this from my description, but also when Bet Betsy and I start chatting, you know, the vendor is a piece or a cog in the wheel of whatever the corporate strategic plan is. But if the vendor doesn't understand that, how could they possibly 
partner with you on any level to drill down and achieve what that vision is. So again, I had done a ton of homework because that's who I am. I'm a pit bull with, with follow-up, but I think it's important that you guys understand that foundationally. Um, you have to go in and understand the client before any changes can occur. So with my little story, now I really want to introduce um, and invite Betsy to join the conversation. So welcome, Betsy. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Hi, Connie. Thank you so much for having me. And I do want to start off by congratulating you on look how far you've come. You have your own radio show and producing TV. Don't invite me to be on TV, but um, <laughs> I'm very, very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. You're wonderful. Uh, see, see, we love each other too. So how many, how many of you guys out there can say the vendors you've dealt with that, and Betsy, I, I think we can both honestly say that not only have we achieved great things at Providence, otherwise I don't think you would have kept me on for eight years, but your, your relationship, my relationship, our relationship together, you know, we talk about the kids, uh, the frustrations with the whole college thing, driving, I think you and I have developed a really awesome friendship as well. Absolutely. I think so, too. And, you know, you can't say that we've never had a fight um, no. <laughs> because we haven't always agreed on anything, but that has always just made for more animated conversations and debates and then many times, you know, changing each other's mind yeah. um, to a point where we're both happy with, with the end results. So it really, I can't believe it's been eight years. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It feels like truly like yesterday. But when I went through your credentials, you know, you're like me. We've been doing this, you know, over 30 years. How, how is that even possible, right? Doesn't that freak you out? Uh, well, you said it before. I started when I was 10. Exactly. Exactly. And we look good, sister. <laughs> you're too much. All right. So. Um, I don't know if you remember that first meeting up in Jersey City. Now, you you were not one of the people that I had developed the relationship over the five years. Um, it was other uh, decision makers that had been in place, had left, et cetera. And then you and Mike kind of, uh, you know, I was I think I was thrown on you more or less. <laughs> I I do I know right? You sick Connie on him. But I do think that you were interviewing multiple vendors, not just me. We were. We were. We were looking. Well, first of all, we were looking to consolidate um, some of the partners because we realized that we were just uh, continuously trying to reinvent the wheel by saying, "Oh, we want our, you know, our sales force to do this, and we want to sell more checking cancer. We want to do this, and we want our managers to start coaching, and we want our managers to go out and develop business." And there were so many different. Um, ideas that we of things that we wanted to do and I think each time we went out there and um, you know brought in somebody new uh, not realizing that you know we we were continuously scratching our initial idea and starting fresh each time we partnered with someone else so I think um, by the time um, you were introduced to us up in Jersey City, and I, I do remember that we weren't exactly as receptive as you may have wanted us to be. Absolutely. Um, because we had met so many sure. um, so many different partners. And again, we, at that point, I, I can't even say it was partners. We were just looking for a vendor to, to really fill the need and, and give us everything that we needed. Um, and, and that's where you know, you were brought in. And, you know, what was interesting about that is that we had gone through the conversation several times about this is what we're looking to do, this is what, and uh, what we were really getting out of it was that, oh, no, you kind of need to start from scratch. Um, and I think that's where our relationship, um, you know, that's where we noticed that things were going to be different with, with uh, you because you were not saying forget everything you've learned up, up until this point, but more, more so build on what you've already accomplished and, and how far you've, you've gotten. Uh, so that was important for me. That was, that was critical. Yeah, cause so much, and, 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 and that's the reality, Betsy, is so much money had been spent and people were trying skills out just because it maybe wasn't the best match for them. Your folks, 
you know, I know your folks. I've, you know, even the ones who have left and new ones have come. They care. They want to do a good job. So your folks, no matter what was taught pre-Connie, they were really trying to implement this stuff, struggling, uh, I'll give you, because there was maybe no rhyme or reason or no support after the fact. Shame on the vendor for allowing that, I guess. It, 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 and that, that, to me, I take very, very seriously because, and you and I have said this before, Betts, you know, the real learning happens not in the classroom when they go out and they tr- try it out in real life with their real clients, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely. if we're, if, yeah, and if we're not supporting that, you know, what the heck are we doing? We're setting them up for failure, not for success, and shame on us. You know, we, we should know better. Um, but I, I want to pause... It happens, I'm sorry, it happens more often than you might think. I don't think anyone does it intentionally, but again, you know, when, you're, when you set off to create a sales culture and after two or three years and, you know, a, a couple of, you know, expenses, you realize that, oh, okay, it's not, where, it's not where, where we want it to be. We set out to create a sales culture, and we wanted it to be consistent and 100% perfect. And then when you go back and you start analyzing it, you realize that, you know, it's, it's far from perfect. It needs some work. So you start to look for someone that's going to come in and be the answer and change you know, because that didn't work. And I think yeah. we make that mistake a lot. We, I mean, we do it in our own personal lives, you know, too, that, some, you know, you, you give something a try, and if it doesn't work, and you, you know, then you just, you, you, you just, you know, get rid of it and you stop using it. Um, and we, we, we were reinventing, like I said. We were just saying, okay, that didn't work. Let's start from scratch. Um, and I think, you know, in speaking with you, we started to realize that, no, sometimes you've done a lot of the right things. They just haven't yep. stuck, and then you have to yep. find out why it hasn't really stuck and, and find, uh, find a solution to that. Yeah, and, and developing a culture, no matter what it is, whether it's a service culture, a sales culture, uh, you know, whatever, I, you know, different industries out there have different expectations. I don't care what the culture is. It's, it's living, it's breathing because, oh, by the way, we have humans functioning within that culture. So how could we expect it, number one, to be perfect? Because you and I are about as close to perfect as any humans can get. <laughs> but really, really, if, if humans are flawed, and that's what I think makes us so wonderful and special, how could we expect this culture, which is, by the way, a living, breathing, organic thing, to be perfect? So the premise is flawed right from the beginning. So instead of scrapping, 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 and starting from scratch, let's keep building and getting the best of the best of the best and go from there. I want to uh, just, this is, this is a great conversation. I'm getting real excited over here. I, we have to take just a real brief break, and then we'll come back, and we'll really start talking about getting those changes uh, to stick. What does that vendor-company uh, relationship look like, feel like? Again, we're humans. The communication process, all of those things, and then you know, we'll share some tips at the end. So let's pause uh, for a real brief break. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. All righty. We are back. And this is Connie Whitman, Architect of Change on webtalkradio.net. And we have today as, uh, as my guest, Betsy Gomez from Provident Bank. And we're talking about the vendor-company relationship and really how to get that relationship or partnership to just totally evolve and develop and, and be fruitful and get results that we're looking for. So, Bets, my first uh, question to you, and we, we've, we've hit on it a little bit, but 
really, really, at the end of the day, yes, it's organic, and yes, we have to keep building and shifting gears, okay, because we're dealing with humans. But for change to occur and stick, we really need to hold our people accountable. Would you agree with that? I do agree with that, yes. Okay, we have to clearly define what the expectations are. So again, like I said before, we set them up for success and not for failure. And those infrastructure things um, need to need to start to evolve and develop. So share with everyone how you've approached this culture change and how you've supported it ongoing with the culture development. Again, this we're talking, you and I were talking from when we started eight years ago. We've done a lot in that eight years infrastructurally with training, challenging, you know, all of those things. How do you think um, you've built that culture to be, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger, I think, which e with each passing year. Well, it, it, you said it. I mean, we do have to hold everyone accountable after, you, after you've done the training. And one of the things that, that we really learned um, throughout this whole process and, you know, um, implementing a, a sales culture and doing the training and creating an incentive plan that rewards um, the results and, and then the whole – creating some accountabilities for everyone, um, is that everyone really, really wants to do a good job. They, they, they're eager um, to, to take the skills that they learned and, um, you know, implement them because, you know, that would mean that they're, they're successful and they're doing what the organization wants and they're feeling happy and, um, you know, as far as incentives, they're earning more incentives. So, Everyone really wants to do a good job, but the, what we learned is to really look at when things aren't working, you know, the way we want them to, um, there's a breakdown somewhere, and usually the breakdown is, is due to the fact that people perhaps didn't understand correctly what 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 their, the expectation was, or, or perhaps they didn't um, develop the skills that we needed them to, to develop and we, need, we needed to, to do more training um, or ultimately sometimes it's just that they needed reinforcement and guidance um, and coaching just like, yep. you know, um, just like good sports teams need coaching no matter, you know, even if they won the Super Bowl or you know, the World Series, they, they still need coaching. And once we realize that, that it's just a matter of this is not something that you do once and continue and, and that's it. it. It just continues to get done and you never have to think about it again and, you know, you train your new people and that's it. Once we realize that, no, this is an ongoing process and, and it's, in, it's evolving all the time and it's changing, um, and, and that people really, they don't mind being held accountable for things that they clearly understand and that they have the ability and the willingness to do. Uh, once, once we realized that, then, then it was, um, I guess, just a shift for us because we really realized that even our top performers, they needed uh, coaching, and that's where we, we moved into um, doing a lot of uh, it, continuing training and expanding training and always taking training to the next level. Like, you know, every year yeah. we'll, we'll introduce some new type of training and, you know, just to continue to perfect their skills and, and also sometimes to meet the changes in the, in the environment and, you know, what, what the customer expectation is. Um, but at the same time, you know, once, once everyone realized that, you know, the training was done and then it's just a matter of reinforcing and really finding out, you know, what makes people tick and um, what, what um, actually motivates them and, and making them feel happy in what they're doing, um, that was a huge change for us. That was a, a huge um, eye-opening experience when we realized that you could do more with the coaching. Yeah, and, and you said so many several just important things. I, I just I really want to highlight um, it's constantly changing. The environment, the external environment, the economy, all of that are customer expectations. You know, we're in the information age. People have so much information. They're coming in so much more educated. Um, our people have to be able to respond to that and be as educated, right? We have a responsibility to, to our employees but also to the customers. So every, nothing stays the same. That's, that is an, a, a truth. I think everybody knows that, right? Change is inevitable. So 
if we don't embrace the change and address it head on, that's where I think we start to see the disconnect. And then the other thing I just want to comment on that you said that was so important, we really, and I think you guys did a really, really good job with this, where I'd be, let's say, a, a training class, and one, two, three, four times I'm hearing, you know, demotivating things from the team, from the employees, and I'm thinking, wow, that's not what we in, intended at all. And I would come back and I'd talk to you and Mike, you know, whoever, and we'd go, whoa, okay, we missed the boat somewhere. We need to circle back and kind of readdress this. And you guys would be all over it showing the support, and I never ever, and I, I think this is important too for a vendor, I never said, oh, you know what Connie Whitman said? It was never about gossip. It was, you know, I've heard several times from several different regions, and I present it with that there seems to be a perception of, and I don't think that's what we intended, and then I was able to address it in training, but you guys would also send out some type of email um, saying, you know, there was a misunderstanding, we hear you, we've made this change, or whatever needed to happen. Um, and that happened several times, especially at the beginning, right? Do you remember that? Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think it's, it's critical um, that people walk out of the training feeling like, okay, I didn't, you know, I, I left, I have left my office and now I'm in this completely, you know, complete utopia, which is training, which doesn't understand what my real challenges are. Um, and then when I go back, then it's real life. We wanted to make sure that people understood that, you know, the, the training would be things that they could actually go back and use in real life. Immediately, right? Immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and the other thing I wanted to comment on is that infrastructurally, you know, we were talking about the infrastructure. One of the things was some of the forms. We had a client profile, um, you know, for the client account information so that each time we communicate with the client, right, it's at a higher, higher level so we don't start asking the same questions over and over. We went from a hard copy to an electronic copy, which you were – unbelievable. You had a full-time job and then you worked with um, the computer vendor to get that in place. How many revisions have we even done on the electronic profile now? Three oh, or four? Oh my goodness. At least six revisions and I'm sure there will be more coming in the future. There are, yes. We'll continue to... Because to, we, we, you know, we have to make sure that we also deliver on our promise to, to our employees. To, you know, when we had paper, I mean, that, that was, you know, no one uses paper now. Everyone has a small smartphone that does everything. Sure. So, um, you know, we also have to, to buy in and, and also commit to making it as easy as possible for our employees to do what we were asking them to do. And, yes. and that's going to continue to, to be um, important in, in, this, um, in the sales process is that as things, get, as things change, we need to be, to be able to, to support, um, you know, with technology, with, again, with coaching, with anything that we need to do. It has to be um, a partnership. And, and the, you know what the funny thing is, and your bank, your employees especially, um, I mean, they, right, they call me all the time. I truly am a resource. They follow me on Facebook and, and LinkedIn and all my blogs, and they are very – forthcoming with their opinions, which I love, right? They, I, think I've, I think I have a really good relationship with your employee base as well as the executive base, but the employees, the thing that I think worked so well is because when we heard things in the classroom and I came back, we would have meetings about it and the changes occurred. They hated that paper profile. It was cumbersome and time-consuming. And I promised I would bring that message back respectfully and see what we can do. As soon as I told you, you were all over it and got the okay to work with the vendor to bring the electronic. So the other thing I think that your employees have found that you guys, the executive team, is truly committed to them because when they do have a legitimate, not just your typical griping, but your legitimate, their idea to go electronic was sound. And you made it happen because you heard them. And them being heard is truly valuable. The other critical thing or the big one that I think they felt heard about, the employees, which, by the way, gives them 
that extra oomph to want to do more for the bank, for you, for their regional, for the executive team, because they felt heard and valued, was the coaching form. How many revisions have we done on that sucker? Because that first one was like five pages long, and they were like, we don't want to do this. This is just, we're wasting so much time doing this, let alone the coaching session. We revamped, we heard them, we, we got their feedback, we asked them for input, and now we have a simple two-page form that's ridiculously easy. So they love to be heard, which I think you guys have done a real nice job in that partnership where the vendor, the company, and the employee really has a voice. And I, I think that, to me, you know, like a stool, you have to have the three legs. I think mm-hmm. that the culture has been so successful and the employees are committed as you and I are, right, as the delivery channel. Um, that was the three legs of the stool, and I think that was missing. The employee is the one delivering, and we never in the past had asked them what's working, what's not, give us feedback, let's tweak. They love that. And don't you yeah. find that to be the case with your folks? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's it just goes over so well when we can deliver um, based on their feedback, when we can deliver things that make it easier for them to, to work um, smarter, not harder. And yes. <laughs> uh, it, at the same time, it also helps when we can't make changes. There, there's so much more understanding because they know that if we could make changes, we would. So um, yeah. it's, it's really gone a long way with us. And the other thing, too, when you can't, you have been, and again, when I say you, the company, you, right, Micromundi, the regionals, um, everyone who interacts with the employees across the board, even lines, the different lines of business, when the answer was, yeah, we're not able to do that, there was always a because, bah, 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 and you gave the reason why. There was no budget. We were taking the budget and you know, reinvesting in our human capital, whatever, and people were like, oh, okay, well, okay, thanks for that answer. At least you thought about it, and it wasn't just poo-pooed and saying, yeah, yeah, go away. Um, they truly were heard, and I think that you, you especially, because you're, you're the voice oftentimes, I think, of the sales culture at the bank. So I think it's oftentimes you, and you happen to be excellent at communicating um, with the team. So I think that you're right. They get, they get that buy-in, and when you can't do it, it's like, all right, you know, we tried. Um, you know what, Betts, let's uh, stop here for a brief uh, second. I just want to pause and ask all of our listeners right now as we go through and have this discussion, you know, if you are seeking a culture change, first of all, I hope that this information is valuable. Um, and if you're not sure what vendor to use or what questions to ask, um, you know, you have to really start thinking about what are the outcomes, what is the expectations of the culture, but also of the vendor itself. You need to be clear about that. And again, it's not always about hiring the cheapest or most expensive, but it's about finding the one that's the right match for you. And I knew five years ago that I was the right match for this bank. Philosophically, uh, your bank, Betsy, in this case, Provident Bank, fundamentally, philosophically, um, approach the customer the same way I do. So I think right out of the gate, we were on the same page. So you, you know, listeners, you need to really start to figure out what that looks like for you. Um, send me your stories, your comments, your thoughts if you need help um, in formulating questions to ask vendors. You know, a couple of emails back and forth. I am happy to help. You can send me your um, information, comments, stories to uh, Connie at WhitmanAssos.com, um, or of course call me at 732-888-1420. That's my direct line. Um, each time that you're spending with me, I hope that you, number one, are constantly learning to address the things that need to be addressed, whatever that might be. Um, and I hope the topics that I'm bringing to you and today's topic about the vendor cho- uh, choice, I hope it's giving you the insight or the catalyst or get your wheels turning um, to say, yeah, yeah, I like that, or yeah, I need help with that, or oh, that's a great idea. I can do that without, you know, spending any money. Um, change needs to start somewhere. So I hope that I can help um, with that process. So if you're struggling with any of the topics that we've talked about or we're talking about today or you feel stuck, you don't know how to move forward and think that you need some help, 
just to understand what that change looks like or to bring your company or yourself to the next level, please call me. I really am here to help. I sincerely mean that. It's uh, My number, again, is 732-888-1420 or email me at Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Um, I really do want to help you. I want to inspire you, and I really would love to be the guide um, and the catalyst for you to change. You know, at 52 years old, and I often say my name because I think I get wiser with each day, but life is too short to be miserable, uh, frustrated, and overwhelmed, which I think oftentimes we are. So, you know, changing you, your company, and challenging your own personal comfort zone to sustain that change and growth, um, it's what I do. It's what I love to do. So please call me or email me. I'm here, and I really would love to help you, okay? Uh, Betsy, thank you for letting me just kind of share that and get my information so uh, folks really can uh, begin to change and implement some of the topics that we talk about on the show. Um, would you like to add anything to my little comment there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you said it all. Okay. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> of course I always have something to add. <laughs> and I, I think know. We, t- we touched upon it a little bit. Is You know, one of the things that – that is so important to each of us as individuals, not, not just as, as businesswomen or, or employees, is we really do have to understand why we need to do the things that we need to do. And I think so many times in training or introducing a new strategy or a new procedure or anything, uh, we, t- we tend to overlook that because we get so hung up on the details of the change or the training yeah. or, you know, the papers, you, the, the form for coaching the form, or yeah. the form. Uh, and uh, I know you're laughing because we had so many discussions with our team about forget the form. It's more about the behavior. Um, but, but that really is so important that people understand what you're trying to accomplish. They really need to see what it looks like at the end and as a finished product and I think um, most of us and myself included I I really do need to understand what you want from me um, before I can help you get there or I could make my contribution and I think in in training we forget that sometimes yes yes and here's the other thing too is I and I use this you know, little, these little Connieisms or whatever. But I, when I meet with, and I, I probably said this to you when we first met, you have to remember training, they're coming in for a day, two days, three days, whatever, whatever the training package looks like or the program, how it rolls out. Could be one day, it could be five days, right, of training. They're spending in a year, one day, three days with, with this trainer, okay? In this case, let's say it, it's me that, they're in, that I'm in front of them. To think that they're going to go back and implement everything I go over, that's insanity, okay? We don't have light switches in people's heads that you go and flip the switch and go, you got it. And, you know, I, I often say my, um, you know, I always have markers that I, you know, the, the whiteboards or the flip charts um, in addition to my slideshows. But, you know, we do exercises and stuff. My, my, my magic marker is not a magic wand, you know, where I go poof and put the pixie dust on people um, so that they go out and execute perfectly. The reality is they retain about 25% of what they learn in class. So, and you can attest to this because I am a firm believer, and, and I don't know, I know you've been through many training classes as well in addition to mine. Um, I believe that when the employees walk out of my classes, yes, it's fun, yes, they've learned, yes, it's energizing and, and all of that and engaging, but they walk out with a manual of detailed information and written out examples and and a list of possible questions for them to start to use as a template, right? Betsy, I incorporate so many job aids for them because the learning happens when they get back into the field dealing with their real-life clients. So if vendors aren't offering those after, you know, for the people to go back into their, their life 
and be able to take the learning to the next level. They need to be supported right out of the gate as a resource. And I think you and I have done a great job of not only developing those job aids and, and all of the – I'm a big proponent of that. But you guys, um, you specifically on your intranet, have, we, we have a little toolbox, right, Betsy? Mm-hmm. And we have all of those job aids and forms. So when in doubt, go look and see what you find, and usually there's an answer um, to whatever they're struggling with. Sure, because it's when they actually have a situation that they think, oh, how, I remember we talked about this, and, you know, I remember, I, or I remember I learned, you know, how to, how to handle this customer's objection or, yep. or whatnot. You know, that's the time when you want them to be able to, to go back to some guide or job aid or the original manual and go, oh, yep. that's right, these are some of the good questions I could ask. And um, I, I know many of our employees actually still use their, their original manuals from yep. from when we first started the training um, because it's, it's, you know, you can't expect them to leave training. Like you said, they retain about 25% of it. You can't expect them to leave training and then be able to, to use 100% of everything that they learn there um, and know exactly what, what, was, what was covered in the class. So the manual has to be something that they continue to work with. And also uh, what's interesting with, with some of the training, um, it, it's funny, funny stories that remember when we first started uh, doing the training that sometimes even though you were just one person and you were always the one that was doing the training each and every single time yes. as you dealt with different groups, right, that were coming in, yep. the questions would be different. And you would call me and say, okay, this just came up, you know, uh, how, what did we say was, was the right response to do this? Yes. Or, you know, how should they address this? Um, because there's, there's so many different situations. And, and I think that's another thing that you need to have. You need to be flexible with these things, and, and you need to think that, oh, okay, maybe we didn't think of everything. How could, how could we have thought of everything? You know, we didn't realize that, you know, this situation could happen, and then this is how it should be, it should be addressed. And then also you want to be able to get that information out to everybody else. Because if one person is thinking question, there's probably many out there that have the same question or will have that same question in the future. And it's so funny that you say that. See, that's one of the core things I think all our listeners have to also put into the equation um, is the communication. And I remember one time this young lady was giving me such a hard time. The way something was worded, and this was way back when when we did have the hard copy profile, the paper profile, it says, and I'm like, but that's illogical. And you happened to be in your office, which was right down the hall from the training room. And I go, take a five-minute break. I'll be back. And I I run into your office and I go, all right, here's the scenario. And you tell me, and I, right, I said, you tell me what the right answer is because I know what I said. But now I'm thinking, wow, what if this young lady, she was so vehement with her opinion. I thought maybe they changed it and forgot to tell me, hey, it happens. We're human, right? So stop break, let me get it from the horse's mouth, I run into your office and you would say exactly what I thought, but now I would go back immediately, and I, in this case I said to the young lady, okay, I, I specifically asked Betsy Gomez, and this is the answer, this is how you interpret it, you interpret it, it was a literal interpretation, this is really how we want you to execute. And right after that, you sent out a blast email. Mm-hmm. Again, whatever the issue was, I think it was about asking for permission versus letting the customer know why you needed to take notes or ask questions or whatever it was. And you immediately sent out a blast email to all the managers saying, we don't really have to literally ask. You just want to let the customer know why we're doing it so you put them in a, in a non-adversarial role and and a role of, hey, what do you need to know? So that communication, I mean, we were lucky enough that you happened to be in the office that day, but I always, in the beginning, would have a sheet of my Betsy questions, and then we Mm -hmm. would once a week have a conference call, come up with those answers, you'd send out the email, and I would incorporate into training. That's the organic piece. That's that living, breathing. But it it really boils down to that that communication that you and I I command. Any of my clients, you have to communicate with me. Otherwise, there's going to be that misinterpretation, 
right? Absolutely. I, you know, absolutely. It is. Yeah. That, that's really. If you know, if you had to number, you know, rank your best practices, that's one of the best practices. Um, is is you know being able to clarify and have that communication and and back and forth. And you know, if you remember in your classes, you also have, always have the parking lot for any issues yes, that are always. unrelated. Uh, you know, sure. I think those are you know invaluable tools. You know, to to have. You need to you need to be at, able to ask questions because as as they're sitting there in your class, Connie, they're thinking of one specific situation sure. <laughs> that you know that could be different. And if they don't have the opportunity to ask um, clarification on that, um, then then the rest of of the information is lost on them. So you know, yeah. communication and sometimes communication is something that you have to do over and over again. I mean, how many totally. times? You know, have we sent out, you know, information about, you know, the coaching forms and, and you know, clarifying this or clarifying that over and over again. It's just, uh, I think for, for us now, it's just, um, it's become the norm that, that we, we uh, regularly re-communicate information that we've already sent out. It's just, and, you know, and I think also, remember before I said that I knew I was the right vendor for you guys. You, it just took you five years to figure that out, not you specifically, because there were other people who were the decision makers before you. You were the brilliant one who took me on. Yay! <laughs> woo <Woo-hoo>, Betsy! <laughs> but the, I think fundamentally I knew that your bank really cared about its employees and really cared about its customers I just didn't know how to put those pieces together. And for me, I really care about your employees, and I really care about the customer. I am so customer-driven. So I'm telling you, philosophically, when you and I and, and at the time Mike had met, it was like I was saying, you were saying, and we're nodding at each other going, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> isn't everybody thinking this way? So, again, I think philosophically it was – the vibe was right, right, right? Does that make sense? It does. Yeah. Uh, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. And, and now, if you can, because here, let me just share with everyone also, um, Betsy, you don't just deal with me. I'm not the only vendor. You deal with many vendors across all the lines of business um, at your bank. So if you had to pick uh, maybe a couple of questions or give tips out on how do you pick or what criteria could people look at um, to see if the vendor's the right match or not? Well, I, I think you touched upon it. Uh, first thing for us is that we want to partner, and you know, we don't use the word vendor um, much um, in, in my area because we're really looking for partners. We're looking for partners that um, will help us be successful and and will also be successful themselves. So we, we always say we, we, we're looking for partners. And you touched upon it before that we, we're looking for partners that have very similar visions um, as we do. For us, it's about the customer. It's not about product pushing. Um, you know, right. it, our customer always comes first. And um, we're looking, I mean, you know, there's no right or wrong, but, you know, uh, there's vendors are very, very different. And you can partner with someone that is very, very successful, but it's just not the right match for, for your organization. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just not... Um, you'll spend more time trying to, you know, iron out the, uh, you know, the kinks in, 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 in the relationship if, if you're not seeing eye to eye. So Absolutely. I think it, that's, that's what's critical is you, you really have to have the same, the same vision, the same vision about customer service, the same, um, you know, how, how to, how to, correct problems, the same vision about how we're going to communicate with our customers um, and how we're going to interact with them. So once, once you have that, I mean, I think it, that's number one. And, and if I can only pick one, that would be it. Um, okay. But, you know, the, the second thing would be what I look but, for. Bets, you know what? Let's hold that thought on the second one. We have to take another real quick break and then come back, and I want you to share uh, – the second and third if you have a third all right so let's sure. just take a real brief break it's a shame when you're feeling stuck in your business and you feel like you have nowhere to turn it's a shame when you slog through long days in your business and you don't get any return it's a shame when you feel like you can't see the forest for the trees and your business brings you to your knees 
Einstein said repeating the same actions over and over won't produce different results. So stop feeling ashamed. Your business and you deserve better. Change that shame into righteous fame. Connie Whitman can tame that shame. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates will help you to discover your new path and nothing will ever be the same. Connie's tried and true one-on-one coaching sessions will tame that shame so you and your business will not continue in vain. Call Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates today at 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Call Connie. Turn that shame into your game. Alrighty. We are back, and Betsy and I are talking about um, what questions or what ideas to partner with um, the right, and I use the word vendor, but you're absolutely right, a partner is, is a better word. So what, what, what would be, um, the first one is that communication and that uh, same vision or same uh, philosophical approach to customer service, what have you. What would be your second one, Betsy? And again, that, that was number one. Number two is I, I really want someone that is, is looking to take care of their business um, and independently. So in other words, um, we, I look for partners that are, are, are good at what they do, and um, they're, they, they're the expert. That's why I bring them in. They're the expert. They handle um, their, their part of the partnership, and I can handle mine. And then we work together to make sure that we move in the right direction and that, you know, whether it's – a partner to generate revenue or a partner to do training, then we work together to create mutual success for, for both of us. Um, but you really want someone that kind of has their, their, you know, has their act together and, and really yeah. knows what they're doing and is organized. And uh, I mean, my friend Connie Whitman can be a pain sometimes when she needs <laughs> something. <laughs> I do gentle reminders. Whether it's an email and then followed by a phone call, followed by uh, ultimately a text message. But <laughs> like, are you there? I need you. <laughs> but admit it. I and hey, I know I don't do that right in a row, but I do it because I know you're busy. And but I also know I don't ever want to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing or, um, you know, if we have a deadline for training and I need to develop the material, I, I need to know what are your thoughts on this because sometimes, and, and you said it at the intro, you and I have disagreed many a times and we have, I've won you over sometimes and you've won me over sometimes. And sometimes we've agreed to disagree, and at the end of the day, you're the client, and it's your, your company, so I always acquiesce. But I think 95% of the time, you and I come to a conclusion that is logical, that we hash through, and that we both buy into, so mm-hmm. that we can have your employee understand why the employees need to do what they need to do, et cetera. So I know, yes, I'm a pit bull. I agree. Um, <laughs> but, it, but I think it's effective. But I actually wouldn't have it any other way. And I mean, with, with many of my partners, I have the same type of agreement that, you know, you're doing your thing, but, you know, if, if we need to discuss something, then, then we need to pick up the phone and, and discuss it. We need, if we disagree on something, we need, we need to discuss it. But it, it's, it's critical that, that you make yourself my priority, that you make yourself my priority. So if you need to reach me, you do need to reach me um, because it's, it's, it's really important. And, um, you know, to be honest, I, I need that. I need that from the partners. Um, you know, I need, I need to make sure that I'm always their, their first priority and that, um, you know, they, they are getting everything resolved on their end and whether it's training dates or, you know, um, job aids or whatnot. Um, I look for that in, in, in my partners. I, I like partners that are, that are independent and, and really make me a priority. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, because you are a priority, right? And you are my customer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think also, and and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I know I've experienced this in my, you know, when I was in sales and then sales management, you know, you go through different training, you know, that I, I had to do, was responsible, whatever. And I would sit and the person who happened to be training that class, whoever was the expert, 
oftentimes I would raise my hand and say, well, all right, um, I understand what you're saying. In theory, that makes sense. You know, if you have a situation like, and I would throw out a scenario, you know, how would you respond? And sometimes if the person was truly an expert, they would be able to go off of their own little agenda or their own little manual and be able to address that question because oftentimes theory and reality are two separate things. I've also sat in sessions where you ask the question and the person, supposed expert, will say, yeah, we can't talk about that here, or yeah, that's a great question, um, but we need to stay on schedule. Well, who's the people that need to learn at the end of the day? It's not me about getting through my training material. It's me getting through into people's heads about what they need to do, right? So have you experienced that also with your, with your partners that you've used at times? I know sure. just me recently, I mean, in your whole career. <laughs> Uh, absolutely, and you know, I think that that's really my number three um, top most important thing is you know the communication and the honest feedback, and you know knowing that, for, for example, if you're doing training and um, you know everyone that comes in is you know um, you know overwhelmed with with you know staffing issues and they're not really sure how they found the time to get out of out of the the branch to go to training, but they're really thinking about the fact that they have to go back and close the sure. branch and whatnot. And and, and you're obviously and you're oblivious to the fact that they're they're going through this. I I how sure can you be that they're going to absorb anything that you actually said in training? You know they they probably won't understand. You know they're they're not listening. They're thinking about what's going on in the branch and and whatnot. So I think that. You know, you need to be flexible, you know, as, as a partner, and you know, you need to be honest, and you need to be to, to communicate with 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 me because it could be the other way around too. Uh, and you need sure. to be able to communicate, and you need to be honest in in your feedback. And you know, if if that day there were other issues that needed to be addressed, I mean. You know, we're lucky that I'm I'm in the same place where you where you do the training most of the time, and I could probably you know pop right in and answer some questions. But as as a, the trainer and the facilitator, you know, you need to know that you might have to take a time out. And I've heard you do that how many times? Where you do the big T and go, okay, time out. All right, let's discuss this, and you know, and then move back into into the training. Um, you know, I think that that that's something that that you have to be able to do. Because people need, and, and that's really the truth, too, again, listeners, when we talk about training, the training piece of it, because, um, again, that's just one piece, but you have to be honest and give honest feedback to people. Otherwise, if you go, that was really good, and it really wasn't, you have to give them something to work on. And I don't know if you remember, we were in Woodbridge, and for some reason something went wrong. We ended up doing training in the cafeteria. What a mess up that day. Talk about being, you and I both being very flexible. Um, anyway, I remember we were doing the value statement, and one of the people or two of the people that re- like just wasn't good, and I wasn't <laughs> negative, right? And they, what did they end up calling me? I think they called me the nice Simon Cowell. But I said <laughs> to them, you know, that was really good. Let's try, do it again, and let's try using words like, and, and I made some recommendations. They were like, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. And I was like, all right, do it again. And, but it was all from a positive standpoint, but it made them do it not saying, oh, that was good. It made them do it and do it better and differently so they had something to bite into to really work on changing what they viewed as the value that they added when dealing with a customer. So do you remember that? I do remember that. I remember that distinctly. And if you remember during our debrief, which we always did at the end of every class, I said to you, you know what, I just have to thank you for not saying yes, that's that's good um, to that individual and being able to help them see how they could say, say that a little bit differently and so much more effectively. Um, you know, I, it would have been uh, such a, a, a tragedy to have said that's fine and, and yeah. let that individual go home thinking that, that what they said was 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 appropriate. So, um, you know, you have to be flexible and sometimes, you know, you you do have to be honest with individuals and and just show them how to do do things a little bit differently. Like I said, everyone wants to do a good job. It's totally. just sometimes you don't see it uh yourself, you know? Yeah. And and it's so funny because yes, and that 
when I make those recommendations, I think people respond because they know I'm always going to be honest, but they also know I will always be respectful and never punitive in how I approach them. So I also think that's why your employees trust me so much because they know I really, really, really want to help them. So that that's that trust, I think, is very important. Um, you know, we talk about honest feedback, but I think it has to be honest and be trusted when Absolutely. when you give that feedback, I think. Absolutely, I agree. Yeah. Um, so, again, I, I think that um, – do you have any other tips? That was three good tips so far. So what do you have any third, a, a um, fourth one? No, just, well um, – no, I did say one, two, and three <laughs> uh, with the with the vendors. Just as as a last, um, you know, best practices. Uh, we we've touched upon it today, but I I didn't come right out and say it. But I think it's critical um, to have a management attend the training classes yep. and actually um, go through the class as a participant. Yes. Um, you know, I, you really, you know, and it's not just the classes, but, you know, f- even for, for coaching, management really has to be engaged and has to yes. be, um, you know, fully engaged and participating. Uh, otherwise, you know, individuals get, uh, feel like, okay, well, I'm sitting here learning this, but, you know, my manager doesn't even know that this was discussed or that I learned yep. this or that this is how we're supposed to do things in the branch. And you you need to have that. You can't have people go back to the branch and go, well, that's how that's what they say in training, but this is how we really do things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it has to, and it really does have to stop with top down. And and you, all the regionals, Mike Ramundi, I mean, everybody sat through a training. And if you remember, every class we've developed and over the eight years, we constantly, this is another thing, I, I would add a fifth one, Bets, and the fifth one is constantly grow and challenge. And we do that every October budget time. Uh, Betsy, myself, and Elaine, our good buddy in, in training, the head of training, we sit together, right? And we talk about what's worked, and we do some foundational classes every year for all the new hires, right? And then we say, what's the next thing that our best sales, let's keep challenging them, again, coaching and giving skills to our high performers so that they want to achieve that high performance because they get to come into these special classes, these very advanced classes with me. And it's me that they love. No, I'm teasing. The idea, though, is that the reward is that they do get to learn things that the people who aren't taking it seriously aren't going to get. And we reward and challenge uh, by constantly redeveloping the curriculum and providing advanced curriculum because, again, we're not static. We're fluid. We're growing. We're changing. We're evolving. Everything has to keep up with that, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's almost the fifth one. Absolutely, and it's not—it's not a major event anymore because what happens yeah. is, as you're coaching individuals, um, you know, throughout the month, and you're finding what the what some of their their obstacles are and some of their challenges, you start to compile that information, and then you realize that oh. You know, Connie needs additional training on this. Well, yep. let's make that a priority so that we could deliver that next year. And um, yep. it's it's really it's an ongoing process for us. I mean, you know, it's only September, and I already have my list of things that we need for next year. See, I know, and and you know, I have my notes that I keep throughout the year because what's done this year is done this year. We put in the calendar, done. We know we can't add more to it. That's the budget. Move on. But that doesn't mean that people are growing and coming in with insight that needs to be addressed. Or the other thing, right? Every year, really, it's almost every year now, but absolutely every two years. I change the curriculum and raise the bar as the culture gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Even new hires coming in, we're starting at a much higher level. So everything really does have to be fluid. And I agree that ongoing um, component is, you know, that's change. It, it, it's practice, 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 right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I know you're going to be shocked, but we are even over an hour, so our oh, time no. <laughs> is up. Isn't that ridiculously fast? I hate it. I need more time. <laughs> uh, I really, Bets, I can't, I just can't thank you enough. Um, you guys, I hope today uh, Betsy and I discussed several things. Hopefully you took some notes and hopefully you got some insight um, on the topic of that partnership uh, to 
get the growth, get the change, um, get the culture that you're seeking. And the top uh, five things that Betsy and I came up with are hot tips of the day. That's what I'm going to call it from now on, the hot tips of the day. Um, You and your partner have to have that same vision, that same philosophy, and kind of see each other um, from that reality because that's what's going to make the change um, happen. The second thing is we have to be accountable to each other, company to the partner and partner back. Um, That accountability, do your job, do what's expected uh, both ways is real important. The third one is the honest feedback, and not only to the executive. Like, I don't just give you and Mike honest feedback, that's right. I give the employees honest Mm -hmm. feedback, Um, and always respectful. That word is so important to me, respectful. Number four, um, management should attend and participate from the top down in every aspect of whatever change you're doing to your culture. Um, It's not just the training. It's everything. Um, Then the fifth uh, tip we've given you today uh, is that growth or to, to elicit and sustain change, it's ongoing. You've got to keep raising the bar um, and just it's ongoing every day, every day, every day. Um, we're dealing with humans, and we have to be fluid with that. And I loved your word, Betsy. I hope people uh, heard that best practices. We have to put those best practices in place um, because that really is what supports the change after the fact. Um, again, I thank you, Betsy, uh, so much for being on. I, I hope you had fun. I did. I did. Thank you so much for having me, and I'll be listening every single time you have a show. Yes, and share me with your friends. Um, Now, if you would like to talk to Betsy, again, on her insight with what that communication and what that whole partnership uh, looks like, you can reach her or uh, connect with her on LinkedIn, and her name is Betsy Gomez. I'll spell it for you. That's B-E-T-S-Y, and her last name, Gomez, G-O-M-E-Z. Thank you again, Betsy. Thank you all for joining me. You have been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. I look forward to seeing you all next week. Have a great week, and you know my mantra. I want you to try to challenge yourself by choosing something small. Always start small to get the momentum going, um, to get that change into place so that you become the new and improved version of yourself. Thanks, and have an awesome week. And listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time may change me, but I-